The Cincinnati Reds are now in the hard part of the rebuild, becoming a division champion. Why they're close to that and something Nick Kroll has done to this roster that I do not think can be overlooked will be the subjects of today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, and my name is Jeff Carr. I'm a lifelong Cincinnati Reds fan, and I've turned this addiction to this team into information for you, Steve. Uh, my co-host, Stephen Offenbecker, will be along uh, to join me shortly, as will Lance McAllister from 700 WLW. You know him from Sports Talk, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. every weeknight. He also hosts a bunch of other shows for iHeartMedia Cincinnati. He's all over the place when it comes to the sports landscape in Cincinnati, and we are going to talk to him about the offseason that the Reds are having. This offseason is crazy busy. Lots going on, but it's needed to happen because Nick Crawl is trying to take this team to the next level. We're also going to look at some players that we're excited for. What do we expect out of Ellie De La Cruz? Yeah, I'm wearing his T-shirt. What, what are we looking for from him this season? Plus, who are the players that we're most excited to watch in this lineup? So much coming for you on today's Lockdown Reds podcast. We are always your team every day thanks to the Lockdown Podcast Network, and we are free and available on all platforms all the time, covering your Reds every single day through the season, through the offseason. You can trust we're going to be here with you. We are in the middle of our off-season schedule where we're a few episodes less per week, but we're still going to be with you as much as possible. And when there's breaking news, you can trust we're going to be all over it here on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thanks for making us part of your day. Now, let's jump into our conversation with Lance. All right, excited to have with us here on the show. He is the host of Sports Talk on 700 WOW and so many other things. I mean, the Roundtable Show, you got uh, Bengals Line, all the different things. He is Lance McAllister, and uh, he is a guy that I watched a lot of Reds games with back a couple of years ago whenever I got the chance to produce Reds games on 700 WOW. So he knows just how wildly optimistic I can be about this team. Uh, Lance, it's, it's great to have you on the show. And when it comes to this off season, uh, what's your, what it, it's been busy. There's been moves. The red and, and Nick crawl has not been doing the normal thing where he's not doing anything, but he's explaining that they're in on everybody and trying to get us feeling some sort of way about it. What's been your overall feeling to this point, knowing that there's still plenty of time left in the off season for them to do more. Guys, one, I'm excited to be here. You know, I'm always up for Reds conversation. I appreciate the invite. And two, I, I think the exciting thing about the offseason for me is it's one thing to get from 62 wins to 82 wins, and that was exciting. But I think everybody agrees the next step is the big, and that's the bigger challenge. Can you get from 82 to 94, 95, 90? Can you get into that range and close that gap in this division? And the way the division's set up, I think they can do it. And as shrewdly as Nick has approached you know, the last 18 months to, to two years, it, it makes it exciting to see where they go because the beauty is they're in a position where they can pivot a number of different ways. They're, they're not in a straitjacket with only so much wiggle room. If they go one way and then circumstances dictate they may have to pivot, they can go this way and then they can go back this way. And that's that's the beauty of kind of the, the roller coaster ride of the offseason. I just put my hands up in the air and say, let's go. Absolutely. And with the moves that he's made, even just to this point, and 
we are recording this on Thursday the 7th, so hopefully there's not too many moves between now and when this is posted, but if there is, just know that's why we haven't mentioned those just yet. But with Candelario, with Nick Martinez, with Emilio Pagan, I kind of feel like this is the most flexible the Reds roster's ever been. Yeah, with it, options. Everybody wants options, and I know it drives some crazy who who live in the past where the everyday lineup was eight guys, and it was consistently eight guys, and they hit in the same spot, and they played every day, and that's just not the world we live in with Major League Baseball. You need you need options. You need versatility. You need to get guys rest. You need to play the to the advantages of, of the matchups, lefty-righty, and if you're Nick Kroll and if you're David Bell, you sit back, and I, I think we saw David certainly realize it last year, You can, on a night-to-night basis after one game, look and think, all right, who's on the mound tomorrow? All right, I'll get this guy rest. I'll move this guy here. I'll move this piece here. And when you can do that in the game today, you're you're playing the game of Major League Baseball in a sabermetric analytic era of baseball that is so far removed from how Big Red Machine fans viewed it. That's how you play the game today. And if you can get a guy a day off, if you can take a guy out of a bad matchup and put another one in a good matchup, then you're ready to go. And I think they are loaded to be able to do that again this season. And, you know, the additions even more so, certainly from a bullpen standpoint with the two additions uh, so far. I want to dial in on Nick Martinez for just a second, Lance, because I really like this signing. I like, you know, we're talking flexibility, right? And I really like the flexibility that he could potentially bring. But I, I feel like what's been said so far since the signing, that they really have a starting pitcher pair of glasses on when they're looking at Nick Martinez. And and I don't have a problem with that. Uh, My question then is, is that enough? Do you feel like that was enough of an upgrade to the starting rotation that if they don't, or if they haven't gone and gotten anybody else, if, if Dylan cease doesn't happen, if they don't sign another big name, if, if they roll with Nick Martinez uh, as the number three or four starter in this rotation and plan on him being there for the year, is that enough to get them, more towards that 10-game hump that you were talking about there at the beginning? It's a great question. And I my hesitancy would be, and I like the Martinez signing as well and, and the flexibility, and I think you're right, it's, it's starting rotation to, to begin with. But I still, you, you have a solid rotation, but it's still banking on upside and next step and health for a lot of these guys. I still would like to have, I don't want to say a hammer. I, I don't need, you know, a $30 million a year ace is not going to suddenly drop into Nick Crawl's lap, but I still would like to have somebody who's a 30 start a year guy, 175 inning guy from uh, a resume you could look at and feel very comfortable about rather than having the rest of your rotation is guys you are hoping are going to take the next step. It's not that I, I don't like Hunter Green or Graham Ashcraft or Nick Lodolo. I have high hopes for them. But it's still hopes, and it's not the enough of the proven commodity to bank on it and bet on it and say, all of those guys are going to give me 30 starts and 175 innings. So it still leaves me wanting one more piece, but not being greedy to think it's going to be, again, that that hammer lockdown ace of a rotation at the very top of it. Does that make Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure, because we spent a lot of time talking about Dylan Cease and this potential match with the White Sox, and, and maybe it's happened. You know, Again, as Jeff was said, we're recording a little bit ahead of time for this week. But are, are you – is it important enough 
Is that 32 start guy important enough to trade prospect capital in your mind? Because we've spent a lot of time talking about prospect capital, right? And, yeah. and Jeff and I have finally landed in a place where if you're not on the major league roster right now, heading into 2024, you're available for trade. That's kind of our mindset right now. Yeah. I mean, part of the beauty of doing what they did at the trade deadline two years ago and, and bringing in all the capital in terms of prospects is the flexibility to decide. And, and I think some get caught up in, if I have another person tell me, oh, they're just going to trade, keep trading guys away. Well, part of the Major League Baseball today, certainly in this size market, is to have enough capital that you can trade it to get something that's ready right now to help you that might be roadblocked by the depth you have. And that's, that's not a bad thing. Not everybody you trade for not every prospect not every draft pick is going to come up into your system and be penciled in and play for you for a decade you you can use that capital in many different ways you can use cash you can use a credit card you can write a check there's many different ways to do it i think your point though is is interesting from the standpoint of if it's enough uh, if those 32 starts are enough because part of me likes the fact that if it's if you don't do that if you don't load up some capital and push it into the middle to get a 32 start guy you still have Brandon Williamson, Connor Phillips, Lion Richardson, Carson Spires, a list of guys who you could piecemeal with. That's not ideal, but they're still young and you would think are going to get better. So you've always that, got that as the backup, and that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for options and backups right now. And, you know, I, I look at this situation now, and if it's Nick Martinez in the rotation, where is Brandon Williamson? And part of me, I and I'm, I'm of the mindset, I wouldn't mind taking one of those starters and putting them in the bullpen and giving you multiple innings in that way. And if it's a left-hander like Brandon Williamson, so be it. I don't necessarily have to stash him at AAA to get him ready or stretch him out. I kind of like to be able to, in a day and age where starters are going five innings and you need four from your bullpen, to be able to, and that's why I like um, if Martinez is in the pen, I don't think he'll be, but I like multiple inning opportunities out of a reliever multiple times a week. And I don't, maybe that's Brandon Williamson. Maybe it's not, but again, I'm back to liking the options they have. We're, we're not looking around going, man, what are we going to do? There's nobody here. We're looking around going, what are we going to do? Because we've got the pieces to now make multiple decisions off of. And I love that. And I think it's interesting too, because something that you said, just, it, it, it rings, in my ears, this thought that me and Steve, every day or so, me and Steve have talked about this a lot. No more bullpen days. I understand. It can be a strategy. It can be a thing in an emergency situation. But we got to the point where there was almost a weekly appointment last year at the end of the season. And I started rolling my eyes in the back of my head. I remember that Arizona did in the World Series. And people were saying, well, look at this. If they could do it in the World Series, why isn't it more of a thing? The Reds need that starting pitcher depth. And yeah. that's the key thing for me is kind of like you said, like keeping guys stretched out who are those starters and making sure that they're still giving you the innings that you need. I, I just do no more bullpen days. I need that on a t-shirt. I, I, I need, I need a t-shirt. Since these shirts, are you listening? No more <laughs> bullpen days. I'll buy yeah, it. I'll buy it. And, and to your point, Jeff, it is, it, it should be under emergency situations. It should be, you know, break the glass and pull out the fire extinguisher. We're, we're in trouble. It's been a long road trip. There's a, there's some injuries. Uh, pitchers went out early, what, whatever that you've got a string without off days, whatever it is. On occasion, you say, all right, the Band-Aid, this, we need to do this. But when you do it as much as they were forced to at times last season, you know, the domino effect of suddenly if you're David Bell and Derek Johnson, you look down in the bullpen and say, 
Oh, crap, that's right. Everybody's gassed because we had to use the pen to cover seven to two-thirds innings yesterday or the, the day before or twice in a week. It just it takes you so long to recover from that, and it costs you not just that day. It costs you the next day and maybe the next day, maybe the next day. Just what do we expect from the fastest man in the world? Ellie De La Cruz, he's Superman, right? So what's going to happen this next year? We're going to talk about that coming up next. Before we do that, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, and that's FanDuel. There's no better time to jump into FanDuel than right now. The NFL is in its stretch run. You've got basketball all over the place, whether you're talking about college basketball, NBA basketball, lots of fun to be had there. FanDuel gives you so many options to enhance your sports watching experience and make a couple of bucks off your sports knowledge. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on today, and new users can take advantage of this great promo. $5 money line bet that wins turns into $150 in bonus bets. And that's on top of the winnings that you get from that $5 money line bet as well. They've also got great futures bets. Speaking of Ellie, we've mentioned this before, but he is fourth in the major leagues, fourth best odds to lead the major leagues in stolen bases next year. I think that's a good bet. I think that's a little bit of value right there. I mean, they got Ronald Acuna there at the top. He led the major leagues last year. Going to be tough for Ellie to eclipse Ronald Acuna Jr., but I think he can. Go check him out today. He's at 12-1 to 1 odds currently to lead the majors in stolen bases. Also, check out FanDuel.com slash locked on today and start jumping in on all these great promos and start making some cash off your sports knowledge. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL and the official sports book of Locked On. Thanks, as always, for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every single day. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we will continue talking with Lance. We've got a, a great conversation coming forward about the players that we're most looking forward to seeing next year on this team and a little bit of Reds Hall of Fame talk because there's a shoe-in for the Reds Hall of Fame this year, and there's a guy who has been completely overlooked, and we absolutely need to fix that. That's coming up on tomorrow's Lockdown Reds podcast with Lance. But now, we'll jump back into our conversation. We're going to look at Ellie. We're going to look at a couple of other guys that this lineup really needs to step forward. And I know that we can about talk about pitching for an entire episode, but I do kind of want to transition a little bit over to the, the lineup side of things because adding Candelario does give you a ton of options, but there are still plenty of guys that we know are going to be a part of this team on an everyday basis that – we have questions about because, yes, I'm wearing his T-shirt right now. Ellie De La Cruz showed us how good he can be in the first month, showed us how bad he could be in the rest of the season. And there, there's a bit of a range of factors there that if he's somewhere in between, he, we're still talking about a very good hitter. How do you see Ellie fitting into this lineup next year? Because we saw him at the leadoff spot. We saw him in the four hole. We saw him at the bottom of the lineup. Where do you think he plays the most in this uh, upcoming 2024 season? That's a great question because he's got to take an incremental – he's got to take the jump. Now, what what I defer to is his past, and whether it was low A or double A or triple A, there may have been struggles early, but he always showed the ability to adjust. It's a little bit concerning that the sample size, once he got up to the big leagues last year, expanded, and yet there wasn't the – the rapid adjustment we'd seen in the past, but it is the major league level. There's just so many, I'm not telling you anything you guys don't know. The, the skill set, it just oozes the, the possibilities and the potential. 
and I, I would I would bet on Ellie. I, I I'd bet on talent. You bet on that skill set, and it may it may take a little bit, but when when you can do what he can do from a power standpoint and a base running standpoint and a defensive standpoint, you wait on stuff like that and, and you understand it's based on your scouting and your belief in him, it's going to come. Um, but let's remember he's still what 21, 22 years old. He still has how many at bats at double A off the top of my head, around 150 at double A, around 180 at triple A. And we're talking now all of a sudden people expecting 30, 30 on the major league level. It just doesn't always happen that quickly for, for even the most talented guys. Right. You know, I think too, only, he was only 10% below league average. Yeah. Uh, and as a 21 year old yep. jumping to play against the best baseball players in the world. So I think everybody, everybody needs to give Ellie a minute. And, and you're absolutely right, Lance. You hit on a lot of points that, that Jeff and I have been hammering when it comes to Ellie De La Cruz. You know, I can't recall, and, and, I, and, and you followed this team for a long time. You're like me and Jeff, lifelong fan. I know you spent a lot of time out at Riverfront Stadium uh, watching these Reds uh, as you were growing up. So you've seen a lot of baseball. We've seen a lot of baseball. Do you recall... Or who's the who's the player in your mind that comes closest to the electricity, the buzz, the the feel that Ellie has generated since coming up? You know, I was in Cincinnati when he made his debut. Uh, Jeff and I were both in the ballpark that night, and I can't recall a time that the ballpark felt like it felt that night. You know, can you can you compare it to somebody else? Is there another player that hits you that way? My my default is just because this is the story I'm about to give you is Eric Davis. And I go back to two years ago at Reds Fest, last year at Reds Fest, I had Eric on and I'll never forget this moment. I asked him about Ellie and I said, Eric, when you came up, people were comparing you to Willie Mays and others. And there was a lot of pressure with that. What would you say to Ellie and the people who want to make comparisons to what Ellie can be? And he looked at me and said, I'm going to tell you this. He says, there is no comparison because nobody can do what Ellie can do. And I'll never forget looking out to the crowd and everybody just kind of paused around Reds Fest at that stage. And they said, what did Eric just say? And he said, understand this. He says, at his size, his speed, his strength, his skill set, he says, there is no comparison. There's never been a player of that body type and those skill capabilities like Ellie, who's the shortstop at that size, with that speed, with that power, with that base running, with that glove. And I'm thinking it's one of those moments. I'm getting chills again because I'll never forget him saying that. And Eric's not one. He's not one to uh, – it's not hyperbole. He's not an over-the-top guy. Eric's like cool, laid-back guy. And for him to drop that line of there, it, don't worry about the comparisons to Willie Mays or me or others because what – what Ellie can do on the surface, obviously still has to be proven, is unlike anybody else to be compared to. And I, uh, again, I'll never forget that because I think it speaks volume about his potential. You know, two times, Lance, last season. And, it, and, and during a regular season baseball game, you know, barring a walk-off, something huge in the moment, but just a regular old regular season baseball game. For there to be a moment in a game that gets me to jump out of my recliner while I'm watching the game. And he did it to me twice last season. <laughs> the cycle game. And then when he stole home on the on the one at bat, yep. I, I was out of my chair yelling like a crazy person. Uh, I, I don't recall another player ever having been able to do that to me. Well, and guys, I'll give you something minuscule that it probably is, people don't pay attention to, but I'm fascinated by it. His ability 
to turn double plays and how hard he throws on the turn, I swear to you, and there, I know there's a stat for everything. I'd love to know what a, a stat would indicate about Ellie's ability on the miles per hour on his turn of the throw, how many extra double plays they've turned versus the average speed of a throw, if that makes any sense. Because there is so there are so many bang-bang double plays he turned where I'm thinking – the dude has a howitzer who's throwing 90-plus on a turn, and they turned it because of, yeah, in part because of the turn itself, but how many times were they able to complete it because of how hard he threw the turn of the double play? It's just, it's insane. It's just flicking his wrist, and yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the, the same strength that if I like got up and I, I, I like ran and I jumped and I threw it with all the force that I possibly have behind me, that's him going... That's all he needs to do. It's the, the athletic ability of Ellie De La Cruz. And, and it, that's why I wanted to lead with him because there's so many people that I think watched him and they saw the, they saw the downturn in the batting average and the up, the upswing and strikeout percentage and all this other stuff. And they're like, Aristides Aquino 2.0. And he couldn't be any further from that evaluation. I think that's a, that's a lazy evaluation. If you're yes. looking at Ellie and you think that's who he's going to become, Outside of Ellie, and there's there's so many guys, but when you look at this lineup, who is the guy that you look at and you think is going to take the biggest step next year? I, I think Christian Encarnet. You know, I have this conversation with my dad who says they need to they need to get a thirty home run guy, and I said, well, one, they, the they just don't you know they don't come fall off trees, they don't come down <laughs> the chimney, and, and I say to him every time we have the conversation, I said, Dad book this Christian Encarnacion strand is going to hit at least 30 home runs this season. I, I just, I love the dude, the dude mashes. He's smart. He can adjust. I, I, I think if I were betting, if he gave me all the guys and said, here's a thousand dollars, place your bet on the guy you think takes a big jump. I think I'd bet it on and place it on Christian Encarnacion strand. I just, the, the, the dude is a machine and I can't wait to see the next step in his career. There was no no more evidence of him being a machine than the way that you actually watched him from his call up because he was a slow start, and I mean, and I know he had a double in his second game that he played, but he wasn't the guy that had the meteoric start like Ellie had or like Matt McLean had, and everybody kind of wondered the like, is this guy as good as we thought? He was downloading. I was going to use the word cerebral because I watch him and you can almost, you can, uh, it's like you can see or feel the wheels turning in his head from one, not just one at bat to the next, but from one pitch to the next. And and I love that in a hitter. And and you're right. He's not, uh, he's not very vocal, demonstrative, boisterous. There's just, it's almost like a quiet assassin approach to it. And that's, that's even Joey like it at times. So that's why I, I'm, I'm big. I would buy stock in CES. No question. Steve. All right. Speaking of CES, got a nickname for him. Trust me, Steve doesn't want to hear it because you'll see why. But we're also going to look at the outfield because, I mean, now with Chamber Candelario in tow, maybe moving someone out there, that uh, do we need a right-handed bat? The outfield is in flux. So how do we fix it? We're going to talk about that coming up next. Before we do that, I wanted to let you know, you can follow us in between shows. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's. You can follow Steve at S Offenbaker with two F's. And you can follow the show at Lockdown Reds. Also, bookmark InsideTheReds.com. In between shows, Steve and I will be writing about the Reds over at InsideTheReds.com. Plus, there's a lot of other great writers there as well. James Rapine, you might know him from Lockdown Bengals. He also loves him some Reds, and he is creating Reds content with us over there. 
also Rick Uccino from 700WOW, and Adi Elmore from 700WOW and ESPN 1530. We are all there. It's like the Avengers of Reds content, all coming together at InsideTheReds.com, so make sure you bookmark that website. All right, let's uh, finish up today's conversation with Lance. Steve, write it down. We've got a nickname. We've got a comparison for him. Uh, CES is now Professor Xavier. We've got it um, because he's got Cerebro. You have got to stop. Oh, my God. Listen, Lance, I I hope you're you're right, and I agree with you. I think 30 home runs is is realistic. And and then when you take that and you look at the rest of this lineup, because with the addition of Candelario, who can give you 20, and you've got – you've got – Tyler Stevenson that can give you 20 and you've got Spencer Steer that can give you 20 and you've got Benson who I think's power numbers are going to go up and could get you to 20. Uh, a and they team, all play at great American ballpark. Yeah. They all <laughs> play at great American ballpark. This team that has not ever been that you couldn't rely on the power and, and there was always an element of the game missing, but with this lineup, this group of young players, this much power, you've got, all these guys that can give you 20 home runs, all these guys that can steal you 20 bases, all these guys that are going to be able to generate the offense and a pitching staff that's finally coming along. I I, see, I'm going to jump out of my chair again. I'm getting (laughs) excited because this, you look at it and Jeff and I, when we had to endure that hundred loss season, Mm -hmm. a couple seasons back, and, and the only thing that we could do was be to look to this moment, look to 2024 and, and the potential, the possibility, and now to see that it has arrived, I, I just I could not be more excited about what this team has to offer heading into this next baseball season. Well, and the other key point you injected there about stolen bases, because you're so right about mm-hmm. the power. But the beauty of this team is it's not the uh, 1970s Orioles Earl Weaver sitting back and waiting for a three-run home run. They can create so on a night where maybe the, the bats aren't uh, you know, the home run bats that night, the, the ability to wreak havoc on the bases and, and steal bases, whether it's McLean or Ellie or India, you name it, and not just steal a base, but go first to third or, or go from first to home and, and cause an outfielder to, to lift up his eye and the ball skips off his glove or the throw from the catcher sails into center field, extra bases taken. That was the beauty of this team. They will mash, but they will drive pitchers and infielders crazy crazy by the amount of athleticism on the bases which is just such a I mean that's that's a Reds 1990 type combination of of, of flash and dash and and power and, and and speed and I just love that ability to score in different ways and this team hasn't always had that in the past you know Jeff I know you're a little bit younger than us 1990 that was the last time the Reds won the World Series you know Lance and I were Lance and I were there for that 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 was that was a good time uh, you know, we're talking about CES and this this young players, and I want to slide into the outfield for just a second with this team because there's still some question marks there. Uh, so what do you do? What What's Lance McAllister's recommendation to Nick Crawl? What do we do? Yeah, I, I think you hit on what if you gave me a blank piece of paper and wrote, say write down things you're still wondering and concerned about. Uh, you hit on it. I mean, Jake Fraley hit 147 against left-handers last year. Will Benson hit 146 against left-handers last year. And as much as fans love him, I, I, I try to tell them, and, and fans will get frustrated and say, well, you need to play them every day. Look how well they hit. And, and I, I, I keep coming back to, they hit well when they were put in the position to succeed. You want to hide them from and protect them from the guys they don't fare well against. 
put it, it's the essence of coaching, putting guys in the best position to succeed. That's not Fraley and Benson against left-handers. So who is there? Uh, I would agree with you on Friedel. And I, w- I will admit, Friedel, to me, I wondered about as the season unfolded, was he an everyday guy? But as well as he hit left-handers, the only thing I'm left with on Friedel is I think you have to protect him sometimes from his body, the way he plays. Uh, mm. The oblique, he went on the injured list a couple of times. I think the hamstring one time. And while fans want him to play every day, I hesitate and I, I remind him, you can't drive a guy into the ground because the more you play him, the more you expose him to potential injury. And then you're going to be frustrated when he goes on the 10 day IL. There's something to be said for playing a guy 135 or 40 games where he's productive all the time, rather than running him into the ground onto the injured list because of an injury. So I, I, I wonder who the, and not to skip too far off your point, who the backup to TJ is in center field to give him an occasional day off. And then back to your bigger point of the right hand of, of the right-handed bat um, in right. I, um, or the left-handed bat. I, I think that's a fair question. I, I and I'm glad it's still the off season and we're not on the verge of opening day because that gives them time to take the next step in addressing that. And I find it interesting about Friedel because he's a guy we've talked about quite a bit. Came out of nowhere as far as like not being on anybody's prospect radar. And then we're like, okay, well, but how good was he really? Is he really going to be the everyday guy? And then he shows he can be the everyday guy. Did we see his ceiling? And I was surprised that the pop he showed, uh, the, the home runs, uh, he's always been the, the scrappy guy who can drive you crazy and steal some bases and get on base. But, but the pop and just, I, I I I thought as the season went on, you would see a plateau and then a a settling into a, a more uh, a, a reasonable expectation at the start of the year what TJ Frieda would be. He, that that didn't come. He where he wound up, you sat back and said, well, "Damn, look at him over the course of the entire one sixty two and and that if if that's TJ so close Friedel, to twenty twenty, yeah, so yeah. Close. I mean, I I would have made that bet at the start of the season and that. That ability, I, I think you raise a fair point on, on, on the age because he's not a he's not an old guy, but he's not a young guy. And um, I, I I think he I think he can be. I'll put it this way: I think he can be more of that twenty twenty three version that that we saw. I, I think that's realistic to think that can be him again in twenty twenty four. So Lance, I, looking at the right handed bat problem, then yeah. Do you think, because uh, I'm torn on this, do you think that Blake Dunn could make enough of a jump to, to be in this conversation out of uh, spring training? Uh, just for reviewing, in 77 games in Chattanooga last season, uh, he slashed 332, 433, 556. He, um, and I saw him at Dayton early in the year, and it is amazing to me. And, you know, organizations always like to challenge prospects. And he he answered every challenge last year. He blew through Dayton, and they said, let's go to Chattanooga. And what he did there, uh, night in and night out, now he's advanced in, in age, so you, you look at that and factor it in. I just, I would hesitate to, I don't want to say pin my hopes on that being the answer. I'd rather, I'd rather protect myself a little bit more and have him force your hand then have him penciled in and, and expect it to come from it, if that makes sense. I, I think it, you're, it, there's there's so much you're hoping for out of this roster. I don't know if I'm comfortable adding one more to say I'm going to hope on him again because right now Blake Dunn would be a hope. It, it wouldn't be. It's not. Um, I, I'm not going to say unrealistic. I just it, it's more hope than no. 
And, and there's a lot of guys I'm hoping next step for on this team. Thanks for checking out part one of our conversation with Lance McAllister today. Part two coming up tomorrow. Going to look at a few more things that we're excited for this upcoming season. Plus, look back a little bit. And uh, we're going to look forward to this year. We're going to look back to the history. And we're going to look forward into the future five years down the road. You're not going to want to miss it. That's on tomorrow's Lockdown Reds podcast. The best way to not miss any podcast is to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and right here on YouTube. Plus, click that bell to get notified whenever we've got new content for you right here on YouTube because we're going to be with you all throughout the offseason. When there's breaking news, boom, right here. Lockdown Reds. Make sure you join us. But for now, make sure you keep it locked on Reds every single day because you know we will.